Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. Come on, pull out your Bibles this morning. Let's get right to the text. John chapter 11 is where we're going to go. No, no, stay on your feet, stay on your feet. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is where we're going today story. Some of you are familiar with this story. We're going to pick up the end of the story. John chapter 11 verse 38 and verse 41 is what we're going to read today. We've been talking this month. It's November. It's about gratitude, being grateful. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. This is the tomb of Lazarus. This is his friend, Mary and Martha, his brother Lazarus. He's passed. So he shows up at the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, look at the text, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Everybody say four days. Then Jesus said, look, look at the question. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Come on. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, now watch, listen to what his words said. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Come on, lift up your hands this morning. God, I thank you that you hear us today. God, I thank you, Lord, that in spite of our circumstances and situations, God, at North Judson, at Hebron, at NPH, at Westville, God, at Wanata, here at Valpo, God, you are greater. God, you are bigger than our circumstances and our situations. You are bigger than, than what we see this morning. And so, God, I pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to what it is you have to say today. God, challenge and change us. Let us leave different than how we were when we walked in, than how we were when we clicked online to join this morning. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hey, and as you sit down, I want you to high-five somebody next to you. Tell them the title of my message. Say, it's on the way. Come on, tell them like you mean it. Come on, North Judson, it's on the way. It's on the way. I don't know what you need this morning. I don't know what you came in here searching for, but can I tell you, it's on the way. Come on, sometimes you got to declare it by faith, right? But it's on the way. Come on, shout it with me. Say, it's on the way. I want to welcome you this morning. Thank you, worship team. November, the month of gratitude, the month of gratefulness. I feel like every month should be, in particular as a Christ follower, should be the month of gratitude, amen? But November is a good month that we set aside time, and we've been talking about gratitude in this great month of November, because we still have Thanksgiving. All you heathens that's already got your Christmas trees up, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus for doing that already. I can't tell you, I walked into Hobby Lobby the other day, that's another story while I was in Hobby Lobby, but I walked in a few weeks ago and it was the first of November, I walked into Menards, will that make me sound more manly? I walked into Hobby Lobby and I saw that they already had all the Christmas decorations, this is like November the 3rd, and I'm like, what in the devil, I thought this was a Christian company, what in the devil is going on? Christmas, I had a buddy, he sent me a, a text message, he said, hey, because uh, he knows that my wife is, is very Christmas spirited and I have to fight her off and, and to put up the Christmas tree, and he sent me a picture. He said, hey, here's a picture of our tree already up, and this is like, this is like two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, cool, let me send you a picture of my tree, and I, took, I shot a picture of the attic, because that's where my tree still is, 
is, and that's where it will stay until after Thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. That's what we do in the Willingham house. Tree doesn't come up. <laughs> so I'm going to come down your house and rip all your Christmas lights off this week until after Christmas. Gratefulness. Pastor Phil talked last week. We looked at the story of the ten lepers. And Jesus shows up. These ten men have leprosy. All ten of them are healed, but one comes back. All ten get healed. And how many comes back? One. So 10% comes back and thanks God. He talked about last week being grateful for what God has done for us in our life and being grateful for those things. And I think we should be grateful for the moments that God shows up. How many of you glad that God shows up in your life? Come on. Come on. How many of you glad that, that, he, that he does, right, great things for you? And I think gratefulness is, is really good in those moments. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think, not, not, not always am I perfect, but for the most part, I'm a pretty grateful person about God's blessings in my life. I'm a, I'm a pretty grateful person when I think about what he's done and, and how he's blessed me and, and, and how, he, how he's moved. And when I look at his hand and I see his miracles and I see his blessings on my family, and see his blessings over my kids, over my life, I'm pretty good. I'm not going to say I'm great. I'm pretty good at being grateful in those moments. But my question for you this morning is, it's because being grateful, I think, is easy after the fact, amen? If you can't be grateful after the fact, I'm going to be honest. I think something's wrong with your heart. We need to pray for you right now. If you can't be grateful after the fact, I think, there, you know, there's sometimes maybe it's because we're busy or we just forget about the greatness. But I think for the most part, being grateful after the fact, like the one leper did and the other nine should have, that's a pretty easy thing to do, I think, oftentimes. But what about, here's my question for you, what about when it hasn't even happened yet? Are you still grateful? Well, what about those moments in life where things don't work out like you thought they should have? Or what about those moments in life, I'll say it like this, when you find yourself waiting? It's really living in the gap is what I call it. Well, when you find yourself in those moments of what God said and what I see and it has not happened yet, what do I do with that moment in life? I know what God said about my kids. I know what God says about my finances. I know what God says about my life, and yet I know what I see, and it has not happened yet. So while I'm waiting for the happening, how do I respond in those moments? This morning in our text in John chapter 11, we see Mary and Martha just doing just that. They're having this experience. They're having this experience of something that, that has not happened and it's not worked out like they thought it would. So write this down. I'm going to get right to my notes this morning. My first question for you is, am I grateful even when I am waiting? Am I grateful even when I am waiting for God to move? Am I grateful even in that moment of life of what I know he said, and yet I haven't seen it happen yet? What kind of emotion comes out of my life? Is it frustration? Is it fear? Is it complaining? Is it comparison? Is it, is it all of these things in life? Because I'm going to be honest, waiting well is hard. Come on. I know some of you are really saved this morning. I can tell. Well, waiting well is, and I don't, I don't, always, I don't always do it right. I'm, I'm a work in progress myself, if I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't always wait very well. I can be a very impatient person in life. And, and yet, nevertheless, I have learned this incredible change that happens in my heart when I add gratitude to those moments that I'm waiting. What are you talking about, Pastor Matt? 
When I add gratitude to those moments of this is what God said, and yet this is what I see. Because I think in order to receive the full benefit of a grateful heart, we must not only recognize God's gifts, and oh, I'm glad for God's gifts. I'm glad for God's blessings. I'm glad that he moves in my life. I'm glad for what he has done. I'm glad of the stories that I can tell. I'm glad when I look back over my kids and over my wife and over my marriage and over my family. Oh, I love the stories. I love the, the gifts. I love the blessings over my life. But I cannot be grateful with what I haven't even already received yet. How do I learn how to be thankful for the things I'm still waiting on? We do one thing in our house for Christmas time. My wife's idea, I don't, I don't know where she got it or, or, what, or how, how she come up with it, but a few years ago, several years ago, we started kind of changing how we Christmas shop, you know, and, and we get gifts, we get things and that nature, but, but y'all know the parents that are older, right, you buy your kids things and usually in two or three years you're throwing them, you're, giving, you're donating them or you're throwing them away, right, in two or three years. So we made this switch, we said, listen, we're going to get some things, but we should start creating more memories and let's do trips. And I'm like, that's a great idea, honey. You're a genius. Of course you're a genius. Why didn't you think of this? Why didn't I think of this? Because you're the smart one of the, of the family. So, so she said, what should we do? So, so I remember the first year we did it, we said, you know what? I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but, but, but my boys, they enjoy Notre Dame. They enjoy basketball. So we should take a family trip, and let's just go watch a Notre Dame basketball. That'll be a Notre Dame basketball trip. We'll go there. And, and then, you know what? One day, uh, one, of the, one of the gifts this year, we'll go do um, one of those escape rooms um, as a family, which is both good and bad at the same time because it brings unity and dysfunction all at the, at the same time. But So we did that. And I remember that Christmas, right, they, they opened up their gifts, and they were excited about the things, the shoes, right, the games, the things that they opened. And then my wife and her creative elements and how she could do the best had, like, a little gift made up, and, you know, it had clues and all this stuff, but they had to figure it out. And I remember them opening the gift, and their response was totally different than what they saw in the, like, when, than what they saw right up front. They're like, oh, we're going to Notre Dame game. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, we're going to do that in a month because that's when the game is, is in a month we're going to go. And they're like, oh, oh, a month, huh? Oh, we're going to an escape room. Oh, that's so cool. We're doing that. We're going tomorrow? No, actually, in two weeks, we're going to go to the escape room. We've already got, oh, in two weeks, huh? And, and why? In, in their own face, and I don't judge my kids because we do it the same way, right? That, that the instant gratification always gets the big response, but when I have to wait, oh, that's not as comfortable. I struggle being grateful in those moments where I got to wait a little bit. Now, then by the time we got to the event, when we went to the game, then they're like, oh, this, Dad, Mom, this is the greatest thing ever. We should do this again. But leading up to it, their heart was not full of gratitude. Their heart was full of, why did y'all just print out the Notre Dame logo on a piece of paper and wrap it up in a card? That's the stupidest gift ever. Like, that's, that's what the attitude was. And if we're, if we're not careful, watch this, we do the same thing in our own life. And while we are waiting, we find ourselves full of frustration. While we are waiting, we find ourselves being full of fear. And we, and we miss out on the moments that God has for us. Because listen, even in the waiting, I can be grateful. You know what? Not because of what I have, but because I realize who he is. Even while I'm waiting for what he said to what I see, and I'm living in that gap of how do I get there, I can be grateful because I know I serve a God who's still loves me. I serve a God who still has me. I serve a God who knows my future, and he's got it planned out. So even while I don't see it yet, oh, I can still be grateful. Mary and Martha find themselves. They're mad at Jesus in our text in John chapter 11 because Jesus kept them waiting. They send word to Jesus. Some of y'all know the story. Go read it in John chapter 11. Jesus, we need you to hurry home. Lazarus is sick. He's not doing too well. 
And the Bible says it's four more days till Jesus gets there. And now they're upset because Jesus didn't show up when they thought he should have showed up. Now they're upset because it didn't go the way they thought it should have went. Now, now they're a little upset that, I mean, in the story, Jesus says, who cares? I, we're not in a hurry. He's, he's going to live. He's not going to die. And yet they find themselves waiting on Jesus to do what he said he would do. And in the, it's in the middle of that waiting, in the middle of the moment, hear me again this morning, of what Jesus, of what God says over my life and what I see in that gap, what is my emotion? And when I understand that it's not just his gifts, it's his hand, it's not just his, his hands, it's his heart that I have, it's in those moments of that waiting period, I can still be grateful. Mary and Martha find themselves waiting, and they're, and they're frustrated. And watch, here's the second question, am I grateful even when circumstances aren't favorable? Because as if waiting isn't bad enough, as if the uncomfortableness of not knowing the future isn't bad enough, as if the uncomfortableness of God not doing what you thought he would do when he would do it like you asked him to do it, as if that is not bad enough, what happens while you're waiting and the situation gets worse? I've been praying for this mindset, Pastor Matt, for three months, and I'm battling this thought process, and it seems as if my thought process is not getting better, it's actually getting worse. I've got this addiction on my life, and I've been praying for my, this addiction, or I've got this family member, they have this addiction, and I'm praying for them, and it seems as if things are getting worse. Pastor Matt, I've been praying for my marriage, I've been praying for my kids, and it seems as if the more, longer I wait, the worse it gets. What is the response? Here is Mary and Martha, while they are waiting, the situation gets worse. As if being sick isn't bad enough, now he ends up dying. Now he ends up dead. Jesus, we told you four days ago. We sent word to you. We said, come home because Lazarus is sick and, and you waited and now he's not sick. He's actually dead. Yeah. See, even more, what is your response when while you're waiting things get worse? Because if I'm honest with you, the natural reaction for me is not gratitude. Come on, talk to me. Yeah. The natural reaction for me is not, well, thank you, Jesus for allowing me to wait and life getting chaotic even more. That is not my actual reaction. The natural reaction for me is complaining. The natural reaction for me is grumbling. The natural reaction for me is to look and be like, well, God, you're blessing Tyler. It seems like you're answering his prayers quick. Why aren't you answering my prayers quick? The natural reaction for me is I'll begin to compare. I'll even begin to be afraid. And watch, because it looks different, I don't experience appreciation, I start to experience apprehension in my life because it looks worse. Now not only am I not grateful, now not only am I not saying thank you to God, now am I not only not appreciating who he is in that moment, now I'm apprehensive and I start to say things like this, well, maybe things are never going to change. Well, God, you know what? I know I've been praying for this miracle, and God, I've been praying for my, my kids to get saved, and, but it seems like they're acting, even acting worse. So you know what? I bet my kids are probably lost forever. God, this addiction is probably never going to be broke. This marriage, this relationship will never be restored. God, are you really going to do what you said you would do? And often, oftentimes we find ourselves, when the odds begin to stack up even more against us, gratefulness is not something that comes out of our mouth. Gratitude is not an emotion that is expressed. Come on, talk to me this morning. 
when the odds begin to get stacked up against us, then we say as if God has limitations on his power. As if there's a mountain too big for him to remove. As if there's a prayer too far or too big for him to answer. As if there's a person too far for him to reach. As if there's a power too strong for him to break through. That is not who God is. That is not his power. And oftentimes we let the odds that, stacked, that are stacked up against us begin to eliminate and then cloud our judgment and cloud our sight and, and cloud our eyes. You go to John chapter 6 this week. You want some good Bible study? Go to John chapter 6 and read. Some of you know the story. It's the story of Jesus. He's with his disciples. He's teaching people on the side of a mountain. The night is getting late. The Bible says there's 5,000 men, not including women and children, but 5,000 men is what the Bible records. Many theologians will say it's closer to probably 15,000, 20,000 people total, but 5,000 men are there, not including women and children. Night is getting late. Jesus says, hey guys, we got to find them something to eat. We can't send them away hungry. And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? It's 5,000 people here, Jesus. Men, Maybe 10, maybe 15, 20,000 people. Well, how do, how, we, we, don't have enough, we don't have enough money. There's not even a, a market if we had enough money to get to and to get back to with all the food. And, and Andrew, one of the disciples, shows up with this little boy. Five loaves, two fish. 5,000 men. 15 to 20,000 people, many people will agree for theologically. Five loaves, two fish. Oh, the odds are stacked. How are we supposed to be grateful for this? I mean, this is just an embarrassment. Now we're going to look like fools that we can take these five loaves and two fish. And the Bible says, though, in Matthew, in John chapter 6, verse 11, that Jesus takes the five loaves, the two fish, and go read it in John chapter 6, verse 11. The Bible says that he blesses it and he gives thanks for it. Gave five loaves and two fish, 5,000 men in the crowd, and he's thanking God. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the fish. I mean, but doesn't he understand? Doesn't he understand the, the odds are stacked against him? Doesn't he understand that it's not a favorable situation? What am I trying to tell you this morning is a heart of gratitude will allow us to look at what we do have instead of complaining about what we don't have. A heart of gratitude will allow us to look and look and see the resources that we do have instead of complaining about the resources we don't have. A heart of gratitude will allow me to look at my family and thank God for the blessings of the family that I have versus complaining about the ones that I don't have. And a heart of gratitude will allow me to take what God has already put in my hands and then allow me to turn it back over to him and say, God, with you, all things are possible. God, with you, there is no impossibility. God, with you, there is no miracle that is too big. God, with you, there is no lack. And listen, when we turn those resources over, he blesses it, he multiplies it, but it started by him thanking God. God, I thank you for these five blows. I thank you for these two fish. If I'm, not, if I'm honest with myself, I would have looked at him like, you got to be kidding me. What am I supposed to do with this? See, a heart of gratitude allows us, even when things are stacked against us, to change our focus. And when you focus on all you have, when you focus on this attitude of gratitude, it, it develops. And, and, and that when you focus on what you have, and maybe it's not what you wanted this morning, but it's exactly what you needed. Maybe it's not what you was asking for. Maybe it's not enough in your house, but God says, no, I'm giving you enough of what you need. 
That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Philippians 4 that God will supply my what? My needs according to his riches. And so I'm praying and I'm asking, and God, maybe he shows up and it looks different. Maybe God shows up and it's not what I wanted it to be, but God says, I got exactly what you need. If you'll just be grateful and surrender it back to me, watch me multiply it and use it. Am I grateful in those moments while I wait? Am I grateful even when circumstances aren't favorable? Lazarus is dead. It's grew worse from being sick to being dead. Here's the third question. Am I grateful even in my frustrations? Maybe you walked in this morning and you're frustrated right now in life. You're frustrated at North Chutzen. You're frustrated at Hebron because you've been praying. You've been believing. God, I know what you said, but I know what I see. You walked in this morning and your life is full of fear. You walked in this morning, you're saying, I don't know if God can do it, Pastor Matt. I don't know if God will. I've been praying for six months. I've been praying for nine months. I've been praying for two years. I had a parent stop me after the first service. They said, Pastor Matt, I needed that message this morning. They were talking about their adult son that I, I know very well. And she said, I've been praying and I've been believing. And it seems like the more I pray and I believe and, and it seems like things are just getting more dysfunctional in his life. She goes, but your, your message, the word, the word and God's word reminded me today to keep hanging on because I know what God said about it. Yeah. So I don't know what it is in that gap. But, but, but how do we respond? It's this attitude of gratitude. Am I grateful even in my frustration? Or maybe I'm showing fear. Maybe I'm showing frustration. Maybe I grumble and I complain. Maybe we think grumbling and complaining is what gets God's attention. That's not what gets God's attention. You think grumbling and complaining works, go read the story about the nation of Israel. That'll show you exactly how grumbling and complaining and where exactly grumbling and complaining gets you. Come on, you know, some of you know the story of the nation of Israel. They come out of Egypt. They get set free. They've been slaves in Egypt, and God sets them free. He says, I got a promise for you. I'm going to take you to a land. I'm going to take you to this place. And as they're on the journey, they're mad and they're frustrated because it looks different than what they thought. It's not as comfortable as what it used to be like. They don't have all the food. They don't have all the things. And, and they're so frustrated with God, and they're grumbling, and they're complaining. I'd much rather be back in Egypt. And God's like, okay, cool, I got you. Watch this. You don't want to get to the promised land. You want to grumble and complain. How about this, you won't get to the promised land. And they wandered in the wilderness until a whole generation died. Why? Because of their grumbling and complaining. So here's Mary and Martha. Let me get back to the text. Because y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. So let me get back to the text. Verse 21 said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, now watch. Look how frustrated she is. She is, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, Jesus, we wouldn't be in this situation. If you had showed up when I asked you to show up, things would look a little bit different. If you had answered my prayer when I asked you to answer my prayer, I wouldn't be here today. If you had answered my prayer request when I've been praying for nine months, my marriage wouldn't look like this. My kids wouldn't be responding. And so watch, watch what has happened because of their postponement in life, I didn't say this in the first service, but it just came to me, write it down. Because of their postponement in life, they now become pessimistic towards Jesus. Because he didn't show up when they thought he should show up. Because he, when he didn't run to him when they thought he should run to him. Because he, when he didn't do the miracle they thought that he should do, they're now pessimistic towards Christ. Jesus. 
the son of the, the living son of God, the, 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 the God himself made flesh. They're now pessimistic. And, and they look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, had you been here, my brother would not have even died. Again, it's this mindset of what he said. Remember he says, he goes, didn't I tell you you was going to see the glory? Remember, it's what he said and it's what they see. Here is, again, moments in our life where we find ourselves, Jesus, had you answered my prayers, maybe it would look different. Maybe it would be different. Maybe my finances would look different. Maybe my marriage would look different. Now I've gone too far. This addiction I've been battling now has been too long. I can't break it. This mindset that I have, and now watch, in this gap, instead of living a life, instead of being grateful, now I'm just irritable. I'm irritable towards God. I'm irritable towards other people. I'm irritable towards Christ. I'm irritable maybe even to myself. And what gets me about their frustrations, all their frustrations are real. All their frustrations are valid. Would you agree? I mean, the brother was sick, and now he's dead. I'm going to say they got a pretty good argument. They have something to be maybe a little upset about, and yet they let their circumstances of what they saw be bigger than what Christ had said to them. And, and so watch the response that they look, they look at Jesus. The response was not, Jesus, thank goodness you're here. That was not the response. Go look at verse 21. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You would think the moment that Christ showed up, Martha would have ran out and said, whoo, listen, I wish you would have showed up four days ago because he was only sick, but now he's dead. It's really bad, but here's the good news. You're here. I know you're going to do your thing. I've got faith in you that when you show up, everything's better. But, but instead of looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, thank goodness you're here, it was Jesus. Why are you just now here? You see the difference? Ungratefulness in their heart. Ungratefulness filling their life. See, a heart of gratitude at work in our life will, will allow us to look at things different because, listen, think about this. What would have the story, what would the story have looked like had he showed up on time? You ever thought about that? They send word to Jesus. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. We need you to come back home. The Bible says he waits four days, then he goes back. They wait several days, then he goes back. Now Lazarus has been dead for four days. Had Jesus showed up when they asked him to show up, what would the miracle have looked like? Y'all are all geniuses. You're not very, you're not very, uh, you're not very dumb at all. So what would have the miracle probably looked like had Jesus showed up on time? He'd have been healed. He'd have healed the sick person. Of course he would have. That's what Jesus does. He would have showed up. Lazarus is sick. Stop being sick. Let's go hang out. Let's go have a bonfire, roast the marshmallows. I don't know what they would have done, but that's what Jesus would have done. He would have showed up and healed the sick man. But now watch this. The miracle, oh, watch this. Don't miss this. Mary and Martha is frustrated. Mary and Martha find themselves, I've been waiting. I've been, I've been finding myself just, just, and things have gotten worse. Maybe you've come in and you're frustrated because you're like, God, I've been praying. I've been asking for you to move on my behalf. But I find myself not being full of gratitude, but I find myself being full of frustration, of fear, of worry, of doubt, of complaining, whatever it may be. If Jesus had showed up on time, watch, he would have healed the sick man. But now Jesus shows up and the miracle is now raising a dead man. I don't know about you, but that's that's a pretty good miracle. 
I don't know about you, but that's something pretty good. I don't know about you, but that seems like something greater happening. What am I trying to say to you is maybe while you have waiting, maybe while God has you in a waiting period, maybe while you've been praying and things are getting worse, and instead of being frustrated, if you can look your eyes to heaven and say, Jesus, I know when you show up, it's going to be better. I wish you would have showed up sooner, but you didn't. But you're here now, and I know it's going to be better. Because maybe in his waiting, in your waiting, he's setting you up for something greater. Greater. Maybe in your waiting, he's setting you up for a bigger breakthrough. Maybe in your waiting, he's setting you up for a bigger miracle. He's setting you up for a greater restoration. And while you are being frustrated, and while you're letting the enemy fill you, if you would just look your eyes and know that when Jesus shows up, oh, everything changes. When Jesus walks in the room, everything it looks different. When Jesus shows up in the room, oh, all things are possible. See, to him, to them, Jesus was late. But to himself, he was just on time. He said, he said, you think I was showing up to heal a sick man? I'm about to show y'all I got power over death. I'm about to show y'all there is nothing good. You think I got power over sickness because you've seen those miracles, but I'm about to raise the dead and show you something even greater. And not just a dead man, somebody that's been dead for four days, that had been stanky, that had just been sitting there for a while, that everybody said there is no way. Jesus said, oh, I'm going to show you a way. It's through my power and it's through my word. I've come to declare to you today that no matter what you're facing, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what it is that you're looking at, that when Jesus walks in the room. Oh, everything can change in a moment. You remember that song? That old song, He's an On-Time God. Y'all know, some of y'all know that. Some of y'all young people don't know that song. But we grow up in church. He's an On-Time God. Yes, he is. Right? It may not come where you want it, but he'll be there right on time. He's an On-Time God. Yes, he is. And that's what we got to declare in our life. As you're sitting there waiting, as you're sitting there praying, as you're sitting there saying, God, listen, I've come to declare to you today that it's on the way. I've come to declare to you today that he is on the way. I've come to declare to you today that he's heard your prayers, that he hears your cries, that he hasn't forgot about you. He hasn't neglected you. He has you right in his hands. He has you right in control. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't abandoned you, but he is right where he needs to be, and he's right on schedule. If you will trust him. Turn to the person next to you say, it's on the way. Come on, tell him. Say, come on, North Justin. Come on, tell him. Say, he's on the way. It's what he said. That's what I see. How do I have gratefulness in that gap? When it's so easy to be frustrated. When it's so easy to be full of fear. When it's so easy to have myself comparing. Man, I see what God's doing there. I see how quickly he answered that prayer. Man, I see what he's doing in their relationship. I see what their marriage looks like. Listen, you and I, we have to adjust our hearts, and we have to tell ourselves that it's in that gap. It's in that waiting. It's in those moments. And as a Christ follower, we got to have a heart of gratitude. We've got to have a grateful heart that I know what he said is going to happen. It may not happen when I wanted it to. It may look different than how I thought it should look. The resources may even come from another place I never thought it would come from. But he said it's going to happen, and that's what I believe. Yeah, come on. So how, how do I, I got three things for you. How do I have this gratitude while I wait then? All right, Pastor Matt, I get it. Again, th thank God for his blessing. And if you're not grateful for what he's already done, shame on us when we miss those moments and not thank God for that. 
But how do we have gratitude while we're waiting, while I'm praying, and it hasn't happened yet? How do, I, how do I have gratitude? How do I live this life of thankfulness? When everyone around me is getting blessed, sometimes it seems like, and I haven't got mine yet. When everyone around me is getting their breakthrough and I'm still waiting on mine. When everyone around me is being blessed financially and I'm like, God, I'm just, I'm just trying to scrape by and get there. When everyone around me, it seems like their kids are growing up in church worshiping God and I'm like, I'm just trying to not give my kids away right now, Jesus. How do I have this gratitude, right? Let me take you to another place in the Old Testament. Flip now to the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 18. Got three things for you. 1 Kings chapter 18. It's a story that maybe some of you are familiar with. In Hebrew and North Justin and Wanatos. 1 Kings chapter 18. Story of Elijah. Elijah was a bad dude. He was a prophet. Elijah, then there was Elisha after Elijah. But Elijah was the OG prophet. He was the one that God would do amazing things through. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 18 that a lot of things have been going on. So let me set up the story. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah goes to King Ahab because of things going on in the land. And Elijah looks at the king. He says, listen, I'm just telling you right now, there's not going to be any rain, any dew until I say so. The, the heavens are about to be shut up. There's no rain, no nothing happening. And so if you go study, about three and a half years there's been a drought in this particular part, in this particular region. Three and a half years there's been no rain, no dew, severe drought, drought going on for three and a half years, a famine in the land. Then, then right before our text that we're going to read, Elijah, it's the Mount Carmel experience where he goes up, and some of you know the story, and he challenges the prophets of Baal, right? And they kind of had this duel to kind of see whose God is real. Is it Baal or is it God Jehovah? And they go up to the mountain and they prepare the sacrifice. And it's the story where Elijah says, dump the water on the altar, build the trench, right? And, they, and call down fire from heaven. And, and, and the false prophets of Baal, they're calling down fire and it's not happening. And then Elijah does his thing, adds the water, calls down fire, boom, the fire comes down, consumes it, right? Everybody's like, God, Jehovah, he is real. And it's amazing. It's just an amazing experience. Drought for three and a half years. This amazing Mount Carmel experience. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41, we're going to pick up. It's after all of this has happened. The drought is still going on. And in verse 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, now here's King Ahab. He says, go eat and drink. Now watch what he says. For there is a sound. Everybody say a sound. A sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. In verse 43, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Stop right there. Just stop right there. How, how do I have this, this grateful heart, Pastor Matt? I get it. When God blesses me, I return. I'm grateful. I should do that. We should all do that. When I, when I miss the mark, I should return back and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm grateful for your blessing. But how do I, I remain grateful even in that gap from what he said and what I experienced in life? How do I keep my life full of gratitude? Write, write down in your notes, Elijah's going to show us, first of all, gratitude is determined by what I hear. Everybody say hear. You go back to verse 41, Elijah goes up and he looks at King Ahab and he says, watch this, go eat and drink for there is a what? Come on, there is a what? There is a what? Y'all ain't helping me. Nor Justin. There is a what? There is a sound of heavy rain. 
It hasn't rained in three and a half years. No dew, no nothing. Elijah, Elijah didn't feel a sprinkle. All he heard was a sound. Listen, for you and I to come to be grateful in this culture today, for you and I, if we want to be grateful in those moments of what God said and what we experienced, you and I, hear me this morning, we have to limit what we hear in our life. And we have to be careful of what we allow to filter our ears. I don't mean just physically, I mean also spiritually. Because if I'm not careful, listen, I will listen to all the doubters. I will listen to all the haters. I will listen to all the voices. I will listen even to my own voice sometimes that, that I won't hear anything. All I will hear is dysfunction. All I will hear is chaos. All I will hear is God can't do it. All I will hear is I'm too far gone. All I will hear is that that addiction is too great. All I will hear is that marriage is over. All I will hear is your kids, your kids are unreachable. That's all I hear. But you and I, we have to make the determination to hear hear something greater than what we just hear around us in our culture, to hear something greater than what I just hear from the enemy, to hear something greater than what I just hear even from my own life. Elijah looks up, and he looks at King Ahab. He says, go eat and drink, for I hear a sound of rain. I hear a sound of heavy rain coming. Think about what Mary and Martha heard. Go back to our text. He had been dead for four days. If you know anything about uh, uh, funerals during that time, it would be a process. It would be a long journey. So all they've heard for the last four days is mourning. Yeah. All they've heard for the last four days is crying. All they've heard for the last four days until Jesus shows up is weeping. All they heard for the last four days is Jesus would have just been there. Everything would have been different. And now Lazarus is dead. All they heard was maybe when they rolled that stone closed for the first, that's what they heard. Listen, what am I trying to tell you? Listen, you and I, we have to adjust our ears spiritually that we get in tune with heaven if we want to have a grateful heart, that we lean into what Christ said. Jesus told him, he said, didn't I tell you you're going to see the glory? You thought it was going to look like this, but I'm going to show you something different. And so you and I, we got to come back to the place in our life where we hang our, 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 our thoughts and we hang our thought processes, and it's called faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and even the evidence of things not heard that you and I, we have to lean into what God is saying. What is God saying over your family? What is God saying over your circumstances? What is God saying over your finances? What is God saying over your kids, over your marriage? See, gratitude will be determined by what you hear. And then watch, secondly, write it down. Come on, worship team. Gratitude is determined by what I see. Verse 43, Elijah looks at him. And the servant, he says, go and look towards the sea. And the servant goes up. He said, there's nothing there, Elijah. I don't see nothing. Seven times the Bible says Elijah sends him back. Go look again. Now watch, seven times. I don't have time this morning to preach this whole message and this whole text of why that's important. Elijah hears a sound, and it's just the mere fact of the sound that he hears that he tells the king. It's the same king he said, it's not going to rain until I tell you it's going to rain. He says, I hear a sound. You better get going. I hear a sound. It's coming. Then, then he says to his servant, he says, go look. The servant goes out one time. He goes, nah, I don't see nothing on the sea. And he comes on back. Hey, Elijah, uh, I don't know what you thought you was going to see, but I don't see nothing. Elijah says, go on back. Okay, cool. I'm going to go on back. He goes on back to the sea, looks. All right, yeah, nothing. Elijah, hey, uh, I don't know. First time I didn't see nothing. Guess what? Second time I still didn't see nothing. Yeah, going back. Okay. Cool, all right, maybe, maybe he sees something. I don't see. He goes on back now. And he goes seven times. Goes back. 
And on the seventh time, come on, some of you know the story. On the seventh time, he comes back, right? And in verse 44, the seventh time, look, the servant reported, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand, and it's rising from the sea. <laughs> oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's coming, church. I see, I hear a sound. I see something rise. It don't even look big. I don't even really know what it is, but I know it's a cloud. And it looks like the size of a man's hand. It's small off in the distance, but I know it's a cloud, Elijah. I don't know what that means to you, but I know what I see. What am I trying to tell you this morning? Is that you and I, in order to live in this gap of what God sees or what God says in our circumstances, we have to adjust what we hear in order to have a grateful heart. We have to adjust what we see. We have to say, God, open my eyes. Let me see our city the way you see it. God, open my eyes. Let me see my family the way you see it. God, open my eyes. Let me see that job the way you see it. Let me see that school that you've placed me on. God, open my eyes. Let me see what you put me here for. I lift my eyes to the hills because that's where my help comes from. So I don't get discouraged by what I see around me. I don't get discouraged by the circumstances that are failing me. I don't get discouraged about the things that seems like it's mounting up and it's, and, and it's just stacking up against me. I don't get concerned about the odds that seem like they're not in my favor. I don't get concerned about what I see because I see, God, what you show me. I see what you let me see. I can't go back to the story of Lazarus. Jesus shows up and everybody's mad. They said, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Jesus told his disciples as they was leaving, and the disciples as they was headed there, they said, Jesus, is, why, why does it even matter now? He's dead. Jesus is like, oh, y'all crazy. He ain't dead. He asleep. Like, no, nah, Jesus, uh, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Like, no, 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 he's not a dead. He's asleep. Listen, what, what was he saying? They saw one thing, and Jesus said, no, I'm going to, I see something else. And that's what you got to lean into today. That's what you got to lean into as you're praying. That's what you got to lean into as you're waiting. Don't go off of what you see. Don't go off of what people around you see. But God, let me see what you see. God, let me see the salvations in my kids that you see. God, let me see the breakthrough that's coming in my life that you see. God, let me see the marriage that's restored. God, like you see. God, let me see the breakthrough that's coming. Because it's on its way. God, let me see it. And when I have this gratefulness, watch this, when I have this gratefulness, everyone saw a dead man. Every, Jesus saw someone sleeping. And Elijah says, go tell, watch. He sees the cloud. Watch verse. He says, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down. Now watch this. Before the rain stops you. Now hold up. I, I'm not a weatherman. I don't know much about anything, but there's been a drought for three and a half years. No rain, no dew. All he heard was a sound, and all he saw was a cloud. And he sends him ahead and says, you better go get Ahab and tell him to hurry up before that rain stops him. Now, if that was me, same as me, if I'm his servant, I'd be like, Elijah, I get you a man of faith, but what rain are you talking about because I ain't felt the drop yet? I, I, I mean, I saw a cloud, and I appreciate the cloud, Elijah. I know you heard a sound. I didn't hear it. I don't know if you was making it up. I didn't hear it, Elijah, but you said you heard it. But I don't even feel a drop of rain. What do you mean go tell before the rain stops? The rain hadn't even started. Oh, but it's coming. 
uh, the rain hadn't even begun to fall. Oh, Elijah said, but it's coming. You better hurry. The rain hadn't even, I mean, there hadn't even been a drop fall yet. Elijah said, but you better hurry up and get ahead of him because I know what's coming. I know what I heard. I know what I see. And I know what's headed my way. I know what's headed our way. That's what I'm trying to tell you this morning is you and I can have gratitude. You and I can be grateful in spite of our circumstances, in spite of this gap, because I hear a sound. I see a cloud. I know what's coming. I know what's on the way. I know he's on his way. Breakthrough is coming to you. Salvation is coming to your family. Listen, breakthrough is coming to our city. Provision is coming. Listen, if you and I believe it, if you and I have a heart of gratitude, oh, it'll change our life. We'll see it. We'll hear it. And then some of you know the rest of the story. Elijah gets so excited that he tucks in the cloak and he just takes off running. He says, I got to go tell him myself because he ain't going to get him in time. I got to go tell him myself. And he outruns the horses. He outruns the chariot. What am I trying to say is you and I can be bold today because we're standing on the God of promises. You and I, when we allow gratitude to be at work in our life, it'll cause me to run before others and I ever see the rain. You and I, when we have gratitude, we can begin to speak it and declare it. And they say, oh, but I see your family. Oh, but I know what's coming to my family. They'll say, oh, but I see what you're going through. Oh, but I know what's coming in, my, in, in the midst of my circumstances, in the midst of my situations. I know God has me, and I know he's on his way. When you and I are grateful, when you and I are grateful, come on, when you and I are grateful, in spite of what we see, come on, when you and I are grateful, in spite of how we feel, come on, when you and I are grateful, in spite of our circumstances, when you and I are grateful, in spite of what others are saying, when you and I are grateful, in spite of how long I've been praying, I know it's coming, I know it's on its way, because I heard a sound, I see a cloud, so I'm going to run. I'm going to tell. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to I'm going to announce to the world cuz I know oh I wish somebody would help me. I know he's on his way. I know he's on his way. I know the rain is coming. I know the rain is coming. Come on, you need to declare it. I know the rain is coming this morning. I know the rain is coming. I hear a sound. I see a cloud. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.